Welcome to the Teach Me Lit podcast. I'm Sophie Tuvey and I love talking about books and helping you to revise for English literature and go deeper in the texts you're studying. North and South chapters 6 to 8. Now, in these chapters, um, the Hales finally leave Halston and it's a really painful goodbye that Margaret has to make. But it is rendered even more painful by the fact that Margaret has to bear a lot of the responsibility for the practical considerations of packing up and leaving their home. Um, the opening of the chapter describes Mrs Hale and Dixon uh, packing up her dressing room and not really making much progress because they keep finding things of interest. Whereas downstairs, in contrast to this, it says Margaret stood calm and collected, ready to counsel or advise the men who'd been called in. Um, and it's so much so that the cook and Charlotte wonder how the lady could keep up. Um, they settle it between them. She was not likely to care much for Helston. So this this shows how Margaret's guarded in her emotions um, and exercises a, a rigid self-control to not reveal them to others, in contrast to Mrs Hale, who's basically constantly crying in these chapters. It says they could not understand how her heart was aching all the time with a heavy pressure that no size could lift off or relieve. And what's motivating her reservation is a sense of pride. Um, it says, besides... Was Margaret one to give way before strange men or even household friends? Not she. And she has that determination to keep it together um, for the sake of her reputation and for her family. She thinks about Henry Lennox's proposal a fortnight ago and the strong contrast now she's about to leave this beautiful place. And she remembers him talking about running in London um, past the grand inarticulate mighty roar of tens of thousands of busy men and you've got this contrast with the sleepy rural environment of Halston which she's about to say goodbye to and the environment of the city Um, now they do go to London um, as their first stop if you like they get the train from Halston uh, which is in Hampshire up to London and then they're going to go from there to the north and so they they go to this um to the city first and what's interesting is the contrast um with everybody they see appears to be hurrying to some appointment um and it says london life is too whirling and full to admit of even an hour of that deep silence of feeling which the friends of job showed and this refers to a, a bible story where um Job was going through horrendous suffering and his friends sat with him in silence for a week, just mourning with him. Um, And it's that sense in which the Hales have friends that they know in London, but no one who's really got the time or graciousness to sit and mourn with them in this season. So they're very alone in their sorrow. As they go up to north, um, they, they stay in a seaside town just while um, Mrs Hale uh, can enjoy herself so that Margaret and her father can sort out accommodation in Milton itself. So they're in Heston um, and Margaret notices immediately how different the ways of the north are in the sense of industriousness. So um, unlike the south, 
southern seaside towns where the shopkeepers would be lazing outside in the sun she notices that they always make themselves busy uh, inside the shop even about you know rolling and unrolling ribbons you know making work where there isn't any Um, and Margaret's attitude towards going into this industrial town becomes um, you know more and more disdainful Uh, it says the future must be met however stern and iron and I think that industrial image sort of uh, shows Margaret's feeling about going into this industrial area it says she had a repugnance to the idea of a manufacturing town and for several miles before they reached Milton they saw a deep lead-coloured cloud hanging over the horizon. Nearer to the town, the air had a faint taste and smell of smoke. Quick, they were whirled over long, straight, hopeless streets of regularly built houses. Here and there, a great oblong, many-windowed factory stood up, puffing out black smoke. Every wagon and truck bore cotton. And so there's a sense in which their introduction to Milton is the smoke, the cloud, the crowdedness um, and the fact that they just don't really have a place there. Um, Mr Thornton meets them unexpectedly uh, as they're looking for their lodgings uh, in their hotel and he is completely taken aback by Margaret because she stands in a fearless manner um she wears an indian shawl as an empress wears her drapery and this regal imagery keeps recurring for margaret she is very proud she is she holds herself her, herself strongly and her head high um and a lot of people get affronted by that um, and find her very intimidating and it says Mr Thornton was in habits of authority himself but she seemed to assume some kind of rule over him at once and partly this is Margaret's sense of her social status she's been brought up um, as a lady and so she um, feels that she is above these tradespeople and manufacturing people um, and what's interesting is the similarity between her and Thornton because they are both in authority um, and it, this kind of link between them, the similarity is actually what's going to cause a lot of conflict between them. Now, they obviously have a lot of difficulty finding somewhere to live that's appropriate because they only have £30 a year and most of the lodgings are you know, far from what they want. And the one they end up choosing has really appalling wallpaper. Um, you know, think completely tacky, gaudy design. Um, and Mr Thornton had made time in his busy schedule to look at this house as well to assist Mr Hale. And when he meets Margaret, he suddenly thinks, oh dear, you know, this house isn't going to be suitable for the, these people at all. Um, it, it says that Margaret always gave strangers the impression of haughtiness. And he thinks, um, you know, she's not going to like this. And he also takes a little bit of personal offence at Margaret because it says she looked at him with proud indifference, taking him, he thought, for what in his irritation he told himself he was, a great rough fellow with not a grace or refinement about him. Her quiet coldness of demeanour he interpreted into contemptuousness. Now, one of the issues here is that he perhaps is misunderstanding her tiredness and her reservation that's been inbuilt in her social status 
um, as being dislike for him. And she doesn't dislike him, but she's exhausted and she doesn't really want to be making small talk in this situation. Afterwards, when um, Mr. Hale asks Margaret to describe Thornton to Mrs. Hale, again, she's exhausted and doesn't have um, the energy to go into any great detail. But she says, about 30, with a face that is neither exactly plain nor yet handsome, nothing remarkable. Not quite a gentleman, but that was hardly to be expected. Her father is rather jealous of this disparagement um, because he feels like Mr Thornton's better than Margaret's giving him credit for. And Margaret does then say, with such an expression of resolution and power, no face, however plain in feature, could be either vulgar or common. I should not like to have to bargain with him. He looks very inflexible. Altogether, a man who seems made for his niche, Mama, sagacious and strong as becomes a great tradesman. Don't call the Milton manufacturers tradesmen, Margaret, said her father. They are very different. Um, And Margaret just lumps them all together in this big category. But it's interesting that the power and resolution of John Thornton are emphasised because those are things that Margaret prizes herself. Now, um, the really nice thing at the end of uh, this chapter is that when they move into the new house, the horrible wallpaper has gone. And it's because Mr Thornton has intervened. Um, The landlord let them think that it it was him. But what he did not care to do for a reverend Mr Hale, unknown in Milton, he was only too glad to do at the one short, sharp remonstrance of Mr Thornton, the wealthy manufacturer. Now, this um, is quite interesting because it shows the loss of status. You know, the Hales moving into Milton, nobody knows them from Adam. Nobody's going to put themselves out to do anything for them. Whereas Mr Thornton is a wealthy manufacturer and he does have weight. So whereas for Margaret amongst her London friends, Thornton would be seen as, you know, a manufacturer, someone of lower status. In Milton, Thornton is the one with the status and the Hales are going to have to earn respect from others for the first time maybe they've never had to do that before now in chapter eight when they actually uh, arrive and move into their lodgings um, the chapter is called homesickness and all of the family really struggle with this new environment mrs hale says oh margaret are we to live here in blank dismay we are desolate and Dixon says I'm sure it will be your death before long which unfortunately does prove to be prophetic even Mr Hale says Margaret I do believe this is an unhealthy place I wish I'd gone into some country place in Wales this is really terrible which is slightly frustrating given that it was all his instigation anyway and ironic as much of Wales is industrial too It says that he'd only just been reckoning up with dismay how much their removal and their fortnight at Heston had cost. And again, you're left thinking, why didn't he calculate these costs before they moved? Surely he would be aware that the cost of removing all of their belongings, staying for two weeks before they found lodgings, that was all going to come at a heavy cost, which he doesn't seem to have um, thought about. 
And then in contrast to this, Margaret's best friend Edith has arrived in Corfu. She's voyaging along the Mediterranean, she's having lots of fun, and it means that basically Margaret is struck um, having to budget on £30 a year when her best friend is living in this um, gorgeous Mediterranean land, having picnics and full of pleasure-seeking. And Margaret now remembers her past life in London, the plentiful luxury of it in strange contrast to the present time and that life is all closed up now and uh, to add to this the world esteeming her father degraded so the world no longer estimates her father in the same way in a good sense though Mr Hale is very much enjoying tutoring Mr Thornton and he's his favourite pupil um, and Mr Hale begins to see things in the Milton manufacturers that he admires. The energy which conquered immense difficulties with ease, the power of the machinery, the power of the men, impressed him with a sense of grandeur. But Margaret has an important question underneath that. She wonders, has everything been done to make the sufferings of these exceptions as small as possible? Or in the triumph of the crowded procession have the helpless been trampled on? So the idea of the human cost of industry is what Margaret asks as she looks around her. She's asking, what are these um, wealthy masters doing to ensure that the ones at the bottom of the heap are looked after? Now, it's interesting because the people view them as people who give themselves airs. Um, the people can see they're not living in a in a fantastic home, but they want to have um, not only Dixon as a servant, but another servant as well. And they really struggled to find anyone. Um, Mr Hale was no longer looked upon as vicar of Halston, and Margaret was repelled by the rough and courteous manners of these people. Um, equally, they don't really want to be servants because they prefer the better wages and greater independence of working in a mill. So there's all these practical considerations that the Hales didn't anticipate when they moved to Milton um, of finding a servant who's reliable without having um, their status questioned. And then the other thing that's really interesting is that there's this direct class conflict where Margaret's walking around in Milton trying to find a servant. She's coming across streams of men and women from the factories. Um, and obviously they are quite rude, they're quite boisterous. Um, they like to joke at anyone who appears to be above them in rank or station. And Margaret takes this as quite impertinent. Um, but she meets a man um, th who is introduced as Higgins. Um, and he's a man who pays her a quiet compliment about having a bonny face. Um, and she meets him with his daughter uh, on a Sunday and she gives her some flowers. Um, he asks her where she's from and she says, I come from the South. And Higgins says, and I think this line's really important, yet you see North and South has both met and made kind of friends in this big smoky place. That for me is the theme of this novel, that North and South meet together and somehow become friends. And Higgins and Bessie are going to become important as the novel progresses in showing what life is like for those suffering people that Margaret referred to philosophically. It's now going to become um, made real. And now she has a human interest in Milton. 
If you've enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful, please hit subscribe and share it with a friend. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Just search for Teach Me Lit. I'm always open to requests, so if you want me to talk about a text you're studying, get in touch. Thank you for listening. See you next time on the Teach Me Lit podcast.